Welcome to Communities in the Making podcast, which focuses on learning from a project in Bromley-by-Bow in East London, England. Our aim is to share some themes with fellow artists or community workers who are setting up and running art-based community projects, or indeed community-based art projects. We are your hosts. I'm Becky Seal. I'm a participatory researcher and community coach. And myself, Romeo Gongora. I'm a visual artist doing participatory art projects around the globe. We are delighted to have some fantastic guests with us um, this evening. This episode is being recorded actually on Zoom um, because of our lockdown coronavirus conditions. Um, but it's fantastic to still be able to see people and, uh, and to have this conversation this evening. This episode, um, we'll be exploring um, the topic, if we make it, will they come? And it's all about how to attract the local community into our community projects. So just to give you an introduction um, of um, this uh, podcast is that uh, we've been during the moments we were doing the Brone by Bo project, art project, we were really interested to see how we can, uh, we could engage the local community, how they could come and participate. And it was a challenge for us to bring participants to the workshops we were offering. Every week, we were wondering how many people will come. And, uh, it, and uh, it was like a big challenge for, for us to wonder how we can engage people to find incentive to make them participate. And that's the reason we wanted to open the discussion with uh, all of you today. Fantastic. Um, so we're really delighted to be speaking from all different perspectives here this evening. Maisha, would you like to introduce yourself first? Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name's Maisha. And at the moment, I study social sciences with quantitative methods at UCL, and I'm going to my third year. And my connection to Bromley by Bow Centre is that I'm a local resident. I'm from Poplar. And during 2017, 2018, I was also a community researcher. Fantastic. Thanks, Maisha. Um, and we also have Azzy. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, um, Azzy. I'm from Poplar. I started as a um, benefits and advice, a trainee advisor. And then uh, my, Nina, my colleague, she she told me you want to come with me to this um, project we're doing so I went along with her and joined in and really enjoyed it as well so yeah and I went from there. I have a good good souvenirs with you as he participating with us someone yeah. also that I met along the lines while while I was doing the workshop with all of you was Susie Hello, Susie. Yes, um, I met Romeo at Bromley Bible and he was busy on his project and I was very busy on one of my projects. And he came along to a training course that I was running. I think, I can't even remember which project it was, but it was jolly good fun. And he had all my participants who were learning to do participatory community research, which I've been doing for over 20 years. So I've been doing this for a long time in Tower Hamlets since nine, uh, since 2009, I think, was the first project for Tower Hamlets Public Health. Excellent. Thank you, Susie, for this. 
So at this moment, Becky and I will 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 show you some. We will open the dialogue with you, uh, with some questions. And um, do you want to start, Becky? Yeah, I suppose. Um, before before I ask a question, um, a bit like you were saying, Romeo, to give some context, uh, a sort of story of our uh, experience of inviting people in. Um, it, at some points it felt very easy, but other points, as Romeo said, it felt like a struggle to get people to come. And um, we had all these big ideas and we were very, very excited. And we'd recruited this team of uh, fantastic community researchers of which uh, Maisha was one. Um, they'd been trained up in participatory appraisal and all sorts of other techniques and, and they were raring to go. And then we then had these sort of uh, mixed experiences of then getting people to come along and sometimes it felt really like pulling teeth <laughs> and Romeo would get quite cross with us and say this is your job you really need to you really need to get some people to come um, and it felt quite pressurized and then you know fast forward towards um, the last uh, few workshops and really we had you know we had masses of people coming in and we didn't know where they'd come from and um, you know we and we also had people who came every every week and and uh, said that it was a really fantastic experience. So I suppose in this podcast, we're, we're wondering, you know, we, our focus is like the magic and the, and, the, and the challenge of community work. And so we want to look at both, really. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a flavour of, of our experience. But what are your experiences of either inviting local people to be involved in, in some fun community project or being invited um, to, to participate in something. Anybody could start. Shall I have a go? Somebody <laughs> once said to me, a good, um, good venue, good ven menu, and a certificate at the end. So that's introducing this idea that there are barriers to people participating, but there's also opportunities. So carrot and stick, if you like. But particularly my experience in the East End of London, Tower Hamlets in particular, um, there are issues of confidence, there's issues of time, there's also issues of family and self-esteem, that sort of thing. So kind of trying to capture that. So usually when I was making a budget, I would always ensure there was good food and a certificate, obviously, for training, um, but also expenses. And if we needed a creche, we'd have a creche. And sometimes, particularly for the Bangladeshi women, to go back home with a travel card or some expenses or a, a voucher meant that they had a little bit of self-respect, maybe, in the family context. So interesting. Thank you, Susie. That's a really good opening yeah same question to you guys what have your experiences been of inviting uh, people in or yes, being invited? or or if you have not in, uh, invited people of yourself as someone who has participated do you think that those incentives that Susie is mentioning are working okay um so i remember the first time um it was a festival at bob's park i think it was that um so there was a festival already going on when we, we had the these decorations, the teacups and post-it notes and colouring pens and like lots of different creative things to try to um, incentivize people to talk to us and join our um, projects. And a lot of people were quite sceptical, 
they were kind of confused and they often asked, um, why don't you just have a survey and just tick boxes? It'll be much easier for you guys and we'll just, you know, go away after. And I tried to kind of change the mindset by, uh, you know, um, I tried to change the mindset mindset in a way that our research is different that it's it's fun and that we want their meaning and we want them to come on a journey with us so it was difficult at the start because they all um because i noticed that people in Bromley by Bow center and in tower hamlets they were just used to surveys and just tokenism so yeah yeah really really good points and I'd forgotten even about that um, festival as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true about um, people wanting something afterwards, a token or something, when you do these things. Because, um, like, I remember when Shaw Start came in popular first time. At the time, it was called Shaw Start around popular. So they got the parents from the school to go door to door with questionnaires. And it was all like questionnaires after questionnaire. But because um, they knew us, they let us in and we didn't have to have tokens or anything so faithfully because um, that helped the parents knowing us. And then later on, I remember I was doing the play group. I started a play group on my block, on my opposite block, but it was really hard to get people down uh, with their toddlers. And then, sh um, yeah, and then Shosha start around Poplar, they came in and they said, this is not safe enough. So I had to close down and then they took over after that. So yeah, so they did the place up and made it safe and they took over because not everybody from one end of Pop, um, from Robin Hood Gardens, nobody would go all the way down to the Poplar College where the other centre is, the community centre. They're so lazy on this end, just to walk down that end. So I can't see them going down to probably by both centre from this end to that end. Even catching the bus, they won't do it. It's really hard to get um, residents to go and travel beyond Robin Hood Garden so yeah and I used to I remember I used to stick up when sister Christine used to give me posters I used to stick up on each landing the um, the posters that's the only way you get people to see it because I know if you post it which I did I did both I posted it and stuck up the leaflets at the same time I used to do that and yeah it is really hard to get residents involved in a lot of things even though there's over 2,000 people living in on their estate it's really really physically hard and you know talking to the neighbor each neighbor about what's happening and to get them involved thanks Azzy. Um just to come back to what Masha was saying you say Masha that there is a history of tokenism can you expand on that where does it come from because it feels like People have been instrumentalized and then they don't want to participate. They feel that they feel discouraged or not motivated to participate. Yeah, it's an interesting um, like question to talk about and discuss. I don't necessarily know um, where the culture or the history came from, but to me, it seems like, you know, participatory appraisals are quite a new method in Tower Hamlets. Not a lot of um, residents experience this type of way of collecting information. And surveys has been around for such a long time. People are used to the census, they're used to telephone interviews, they're just used to that structured kind of um, um, questionnaire. And sometimes they're used to receiving, you know, a voucher at the end and just um, just forgetting about the, um, you know, after like the um, 
receiving maybe like the voucher or finishing the survey and that's um, that's the end of it with um, our project and with PA in general you have um, different phases and that's not something people are used to and with PA it takes a long time and people do have um, other commitments that they mm. sometimes find hard to put uh, to schedule in the um, daily life yeah I agree with that and and in a lot of the PA project, well, all of the ones that I do, people go to where people are and don't expect people to turn up at a central place. Um, so we used idea stores and, you know, and using the knowledge of the, the people doing the research um, of where people are. So when we did loneliness, I had some guys from Providence Row um, they went into um, the cemetery park to talk to some of the guys there, which, you know, obviously not everyone can do, but they knew them. So you got the trust of your peer group in a way. Um, so that that's important. Um, and I think topics that are of interest and also that whole ethos that they own the information and they are the experts because often particularly if you have barriers like language or confidence. Um, it's that trust that goes a long way. And I always say, you're the expert, not me. And I think there's a lot of gatekeepers around as well who put people off. Um, I remember doing a, a, a course up in um, Wakefield and it was for users of drug services. And we had the users of the drug services and, and the staff and at the end of the course, one of the staff said there are inappropriate people here, meaning that the service users weren't good enough to do it. And I was appalled um, because it's that respect you have for local knowledge is so important. Just to understand better, you say one of the issues is about building trust yes. for the people to engage. And the other one mm -hmm. is uh, find a topic of interest. Yes. How do you put those two things in action with your experience? How have you been doing this when you go to, to a, when you when you go to a project and where you don't know anybody? How do you build trust and find also a topic of interest? Well, on the training courses, because often in those projects I would train people in PA and then they went out and talked to people. So, for example, there was always a kind of ground rule thing. And that would always making that a safe space for people to be honest. And those things in the training program like anti-saboteur so that they are in charge in a way and you're going at their speed rather than something imposed. And the rules of engagement are their rules, though obviously there are some things that you have, you have to put in like confidentiality, etc. And then maybe on the topic, so for example, if I was doing the topic of loneliness before, you might do an exercise in the training course saying, have you ever been lonely? Have a discussion about that. Make a drawing of being lonely when it's, occur when it's happened to you. Do you see what I mean? So that you can kind of see whether the topic is of concern to the people that you're speaking with, that you're training. Does that make sense? Yeah, so this kind of place of trust. And you can't make people stay if it's not of interest, but you can do a lot about, oh, right, they're on it now. I can 
hand over the stick to them and they'll take it away. Yeah. And I think that was really key with our project, wasn't it? So, you know, Maisha was a community researcher. So Mm -hmm. she was like, Romeo and I essentially handed over the recruitment to Maisha, Reverend James, like the other Mm -hmm. community researchers. And so, you know, you guys had your own relationships to a certain extent, but also, and actually that played out with Nina inviting you, Azzy. So Nina was part of our our team, but she was a local resident and she was a a colleague of yours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so when, when she invited you, I mean, you probably don't remember what she said, but do you, like, do you remember why you said, oh, yeah, I'll give that a go? I didn't, I just, she, I thought, I'll, let me just go and see with her. Because she was, um, I don't know if she was a volunteer or she was working with you, mm. but I thought, oh, let me just go along and I'll volunteer with her. So I was thinking, seeing it as like a volunteer thing, sort of a, uh, being a participant of one of the project yeah but I stuck to it and I enjoyed it as well yeah so, so you thought it sounds like you were just like okay Nina's going yeah I'll, I'll go along with her and yeah. we'll just see see what it's like yeah and uh, and it did feel in that first meeting it sometimes did feel like a bit of a test um yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> you know like so are people going to enjoy this um and you know everyone's sussing out whether this is actually worth doing or I not. did not want to get myself into and what was the project about so I was just going along with the flow that's what I was doing so because I enjoyed it probably that's why I was coming back to it again and again yeah it's um yes. yeah and plus it was artwork so hands-on <laughs> yeah but lots of people say, I can't draw, I can't draw. But my experience on PA courses is that people can draw. Yeah. And, you know, going back to that whole thing of overcoming literacy issues or language issues, I mean, it just works a treat because you leave all that formal stuff behind and you draw a picture. And yeah. uh, I just love it because I think the whole process of PA is highly creative. Mm-hmm. It's not just the art bits that are creative. The whole thing is, and it lets people free. And doing the clay with the earth, bringing the clay and the earth together, making a some kind of model yes. of what you would like to, you know. But it was bizarre to have different kind of models for the community. You can't have them playing in the middle of a field, <laughs> middle of a town center, maybe outside, yeah. <laughs> We are speaking now of ways to be engaged in a project, but I'm wondering as well, how do you find, how do you learn about a project? Like, Masha, you, you were saying that you had to go to places to find people. Azzy, you say that Nina reached you. What was the way, you know, you were saying that you were putting posters and flyers. What are the ways to make people participate, to invite them in the participations? Um, mindfulness. I think you did a bit of mindfulness as well. I remember. Did you, was it you or the other person? I remember you did a bit of mindfulness, <laughs> and that sort of helped. Probably made us a bit relaxed. Um, you know, you know, made us probably imaginative, or you know, probably broaden our mind or open our eyes to see differently. Because mm-hmm. uh, we, we would yeah. not think of drawing ourselves around ourselves and then sticking pictures on 
yeah <laughs> it wasn't hypnosis you make it sound like we hypnotized you <laughs> it was completely ethical brainwashing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe i didn't explain i didn't explain well my question is like how do you invite people uh, you, uh, as you were saying that you 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 were putting posters and flyer to invite people yeah. either for our exhibition oh, you remember past, we did the exhibition yeah, I'm too, I was talking about when, from my experience in my estate, where I used to do that from, um, for Neighbours in Poplar. Um, Sister Christine used to give me posters and things to stick up or post. So she used to give us, give me a lot of post, um, leaflet posting from my and past you, experience. And do you think that works? Do you think, you know, the big debate, do leaflets work? Do Sometimes. posters work? Sometimes it didn't. Majority of the time, actually, it didn't. Even when, you know, when the Universal Credit, when they were doing that, it was just me and two other people, and that's it, for the whole estate to come and understand what is Universal Credit about. And, and the head of um, uh, council tax, um, his name is something here, I forgot his name, first name. He came as well himself with his colleague and nobody turned up and they had the chance to talk to the head of the department and that was really sad that they didn't turn up even at some fires not a lot of people turned up there as well mm -hmm. um it was sad that you know something big as universal credit and nobody turned up and now everybody's like struggling trying to go because they, they didn't turn up and understand what's going to happen they wish they turned up now i wish they you... did no i wish they did <laughs> sometimes <laughs> But now there's another lady on my estate. She's quite good at communicating. Her name is Asma Begum. She does a lot of stuff in the community now. And now she does a lot of community work and she does it really well. Um, I think two things. One is the Bush Telegraph is better than any poster campaign. So yeah. you get people to talk about it. And there's the bossy boots. You know, I remember there's a wonderful woman who used to work at Wapping um, Children's Centre called Aneta. Well, she just got them organized and round they came. You know what yeah. I mean? So there are people who can do the work for you. And yeah. those community activists or Sister Christine's really good. But this Aneta, she just had them there on the day. Yeah. And, and once they were there, it was fine. But you, there are those people in community. And I guess it's about identifying them who are really good at rallying the troops. Mm. Yeah. And, and how do you reach them? I remember a couple of years ago, I used to use, I use a Facebook to invite people. But how do you invite local community people? Is there a Facebook or is there other tools? I remember Mandy said that in Tower Hamlets, um, things spread by words, words of mouth. Mm -hmm. So one person experiences something, they tell their friends, they tell their yes. neighbor, they just tell people. Then from that, their friends or friends tells everyone else and it spreads from um, a network. And uh, I remember we had all these beautiful posters, colorful posters, big posters, 
but a lot of the times we had restrictions like the corner shops wouldn't want big posters they would just want a tiny poster and we didn't have that so post but the wooden sculptures were amazing because um, at an event people comment on our wooden sculptures and say oh I've seen that I love that it was creative it was different we've never seen that before so that was a really good idea Romeo the wooden sculptures but in terms of gathering um, people from the local community it is difficult because people you know, they, they go to a job centre, they um, have other commitments. So how do you get people on this project? I remember the one of the few things that we said to them, we said all oh, the benefits that they would get from this project. So they get a really nice food, they'll get, um, they'll get us, we, they'll get an open space, they'll get um, other members of the community that they can talk to. Because I remember asking questions or oh, what do you guys want they said they want to socialize with people they want to meet other people in the community but they don't have that space to do that so mm -hmm. I remember you know um, telling them our project we want to bring the community together and there's loads of there's going to be loads of food lots of artwork it's going to be lots of fun so just just try it out there's no harm in trying it out and you can leave whenever you want you're not obliged to stay and if you like it tell your friends then that's that I remember as well, you know, that while I was doing the project uh, in Brolin by Bo, that the mouth by ear, that's the way you say it, huh? The mouth. The word of mouth. Word of mouth. The word of mouth was a, a very good tool. But I remember as well that we were using WhatsApp. Yeah. I, yes, uh, yes, yes. Group WhatsApps. Can, you, can really you tell good. me more about that? Can you tell me why WhatsApp works so well? Um, is it, you can um, let everybody know what the events are happening mm. and share information. But it, sometimes it can be overwhelming for some people because sometimes they're in different groups. And if you do it to um, different groups, they get annoyed because they're already in that group as well. So you have to... It's really hard in practice when you ha have one person in different groups and you want to share it with all the groups. So mm -hmm. that's the only drawback of it. But well, of, overall, WhatsApp is the best way of connecting with everybody and catch up. Excellent. Um, do you have other questions that we could speak about, Becky? Um, I suppose I ha uh, one is uh, just a curiosity of... Um, particularly in a place like Bromley by Bow, uh, where there's a lot of community projects going on all the time. I suppose I was wondering about fatigue, like project fatigue. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that there's everyone doing outreach at all times at the Bromley by Bow Centre. And uh, sometimes it felt like we were com competing for the same uh, audience of people and that like almost this idea that people could shop around for whatever projects uh, <laughs> caught their fancy is that true uh, well I'd like to go back to my days in Hull over 20 years ago and there was one estate which at the time was probably one of the most deprived estates in Europe and they used to say well we're in Bransome and we get consulted to death People come along and they ask our opinion and then there's a report that sticks on a shelf and it hasn't got our opinions in it. So that consultation fatigue, if you can make it theirs and can actually demonstrate that you have listened and that it is valued, they'll come back again. Hmm. 
I am sure of that. But that extractive thing, you leave it in community, you know, it's and feedback what you've done with it and what difference did you make? And that's about self-esteem. And um, on the projects I did, we'd always have a validation event to make sure that the people, the community researchers and others invited, make sure that we got it right. Mm. Instead of sometimes people will say, oh, well, you're wrong about that. In my very, book, you never say that. I now feel very um, pleased that we, we also did that as well. So, hooray! <laughs> a party. We did have a we did have a party, yeah. We did have an exhibition and yes. yeah, party. Community pride party, Lala. Yeah. So what I hear from all of you is that to engage people, there is some keywords. One of them is trust, and to build trust, you have to make a safe space to be honest, to be respectful, a space of confidentiality. And one of the things that made people stay is that it has to be fun. Uh, that's what Azi was saying. And the end of the project, we have to also as well give back in order that people don't develop a fatigue and they want to come back to the next one. Mm -hmm. is, there, is there other aspect do you think it might be important to speak? Oh, you know, um, just about the whole fatigue aspect, it kind of reminded me how in Bomi Baibo and like surrounding areas, we will always have participants that are eager to join. And one of the things that I'm scared about with PA that would kind of fall into self-selection bias, we would always get um, participants that are excited, but we wouldn't get the wider community that's harder to reach. And I think that's a bigger struggle within PA, actually. It's mm, a really good point. We just need more projects. <laughs> yeah, and your Bush yeah. Telegraph. Um, yeah. Excellent and, point, Masha. I wonder when you speak this wider community, how, why do you think they don't want to come, and how we can? What will be your ideas to reach them? It's hard because. Um, you know, Tower Hamlets is diverse. Um, you know, people say we have one of the highest unemployment rates, and which is true. But within that, people aren't just sitting at home waiting to do a project. You know, they're going to the job seekers, they're volunteering, they have children to look after, they have um, loads of other things to do besides doing um, this project. And with this project, like, like with like um, the different communities in Tower Hamlets, Tower Hamlets, they, I feel like they don't realize the importance of projects and what um, what benefits can come from it for them. It's just, yeah, it's a difficult question to actually um, answer because, you know, the community is so diverse and, and it's difficult to understand what they want. And yeah, you know, we need like more time and resources, but yeah, it's a difficult mm -hmm. question. Because we, we, um, we did try and map out all different places we would go and find people didn't we and we tried to go to we hung out around the job center and uh, we also went and made contact at the food banks um, but there were restrictions there weren't there as well on um, understandably the people at food banks and homeless shelters are, uh, you know they're going to be protective of um, too many people like us coming along I guess <laughs> I think uh, no, it's another, the other thing is I just realised is you know um, social housing, so there is probably less of social housing 
and more of um, developing housing to be sold. Mm -hmm. So there's probably going to be like where I am now. So there's two big blocks of um, you buy the house and there's just the social housing, just for social housing. It's not much as more than um, the people who buy their own place. So there's going to be less of social housing than people who are residents who are buying their own homes. And they're probably coming from abroad as well. Because I've noticed around Canary Wharf, there's a lot of people from the Far East um, are settling down around that area. And they've, you know, you can tell from the social housing to the new, um, to the, I call it the rich blocks. <laughs> um, Do you so think much, that's diminishing um, the community? Is sorry? it, is it having a bad effect on the community? Are we losing our communities? I think, um, what, you know, they're saying that it's not supposed to separate the social housing to the people who rich blocks. <laughs> um, you know, they're, suppo they're supposed to not show, but physically there's nothing really happening between the rich blocks and the social housing people to come together and do anything. Um, so I'm not sure it's happening on my estate. Whereas, you know, well, social housing people, they know each other. They have that communication. They know what's going on. Whereas the rich blocks, they don't know what's happening with the community, you know, what's going on, what's happening. So, like, we have, like, um, there's still a lot of events happening, lots of meetings hap happening. So, whereas my block, well, they, they might know soon because they, knew, they moved in new. So they won't know now at the moment, but later on they will know what's happening in the meetings and everything. Because cause I'm from Robin Hood Garden, I'll probably be communicating to, to them and giving them numbers when the meetings are and everything. Because nobody in this block knows about um, Swan's meetings and everything. So whereas the other two blocks, the rich blocks, I don't know if they will know what's going on in the area. So there's a separation mm -hmm. between rich blocks and the social housing. Of course. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, and I, I remember we were quite conscious of that in in designing our our own research of whether we would go and try and speak to the rich blocks. I think we went to the Galvanizer pub and did a session there one time. <laughs> um, great. So something that we're asking um, at the end of, of every one of these discussions is to, is to ask you what your advice would be. Um, so what we can learn from this discussion we've had this evening and what your advice would be to somebody who was setting up a local community project, an art-based community project. It's word of mouth. That's all I can think of mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah, mm -hmm. word of mouth. Because it doesn't matter how many, how much um, posters and putting through letterboxes, it sometimes doesn't work, which I have experienced with my estate. Yeah. yeah. So Asma knows, Asma knows her personally. She, she's word of mouth and on WhatsApp group and everything that's how they know her and through the school as well because she used to work in the school so the parents knew her already so yeah. yeah this idea of word of mouth and this uh, link this person who's this like yeah uh, whirl of energy and relationships in the community yeah, yeah. fantastic <laughs> yeah i think trust people yeah. and just yes trust people and i'd agree bush telegraph and um Yes, they can do it because sometimes professionals think they can't do it. I think anybody can do it yeah. and yeah. anybody can be creative. 
absolutely sets you free (laughs) (laughs) um and i'll just add um make mistakes early on if you fail it's fine we all learn from it societies and communities are complex things people are complex so just ask lots of open questions understand their story explain your story just explain like the benefits to them to the community and just have lots of fun that's all i can say <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and i also keep uh, keep in mind uh, what susie said about the extractive side of the participatory art projects i think there is a need to give back mm-hmm. You know, after we leave, when we, what I learned from this discussion is after we leave, after we finish our project, we have to give back mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. that the people want to engage again to another one. Mm-hmm. Can Absolutely. I tell two little stories? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. One was um, a lady called Jahanara came to the first time she'd been to a course for years and she was a widow and her husband died um, though she had an arranged marriage, it was a love marriage, and people just kept telling her to get over it. And we did an icebreaker called Zit Zap Pow, which she do, you know, in the course. And she wrote her story and she said, Susie did an icebreaker called Zit Zap Pow, and I found myself laughing for the first time for years. And I just thought, that is it. And then a young man in a gangs project in South London, he, you know, he was a bad boy um, and he didn't really speak apart from, you know, except with his hoodie on, but he was a really good drawer and we got them to do a timeline of their lives and he had an awful life and he, you know, he'd been in prison and he got into drugs and, you know, and knives and all sorts of stuff. And the final thing, was his name and a gravestone. And he did a piece to camera and he took off his hoodie and he said, I drew my life and it's the first time I ever looked at it. So remember that this is really, really powerful and one must be humble. And I learned so much from those two events, really. Mm. Magic moments. Wonderful. No, oh. that seems like a, a wonderful place to, to end and to say thank you so much, all of you, for joining this discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you. Thank you, thank you all. Thank you. If you need us again, just ask. Oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> thank you all for your time thank and you. capacity thank you. to be in different parts of the world and share oh, together, anyways. <laughs>